let's get into the Word of God. Amen. So what is an altar? An altar, and normally when we start with teachings, I will give an English description so that we understand what it is. Many of the things in the church, you know, where people have made it so spiritual, there is other things, other people that cannot partake of this. So we, 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 we have all this jargon, we have all these things in, and we exclude people, Pastor Brian, who cannot speak English as well as us, who cannot speak Greek and Hebrew. And it's like there's this exclusive club that God speaks to. But once we just come and make it practical to people, people can apply it. Because if I don't teach you how to raise up all this in your own family, then it means you have to run to me all the time and I make you dependent on me. Does it make sense? So an altar, basically what an altar means is just a flat table top. It's like a table or it's just a flat top that is used to make sacrifices to a deity. Now a deity means any spiritual thing that we claim as God. So in sum, that is what an altar is. An altar is a structure, a table, or a top on which we do sacrifices unto a spiritual being. Amen? That's on some. So it's just a place where you do sacrifices, where you want to connect with a spiritual being. So an altar is more than just also where you do sacrifices or spiritual rituality or, or, or religious rituals. It's also a place where you make an intentional decision to connect with a spiritual entity. No altar is unintentional. Every altar that you make is intentional. And what happens in the spirit, when I make a decision to connect with a spiritual God, there's a legal contract that is binding me to not only that God, but what that God stands for. If I feel things are not working out and I've been praying and stuff, and someone says, I know someone that can do a work on your behalf, they are taking me to an altar. And whatever God is standing on that altar, I am making a conscious decision to tie myself, connect myself to whatever that God or that kingdom is standing for. That's why when people come and say, I feel that I'm being bewitched, it might be true. But I cannot advise you to go and bewitch them back because I'm saying to you, go to the very altar that they are working things from you. So now you are connected. So now you think God is dealing with my enemies and it seems for a while things are working out. But in the long run, those devils come to claim what is legally theirs. And God cannot do anything unless you call out to him again. So an altar is more than just, that's why when there's no altar in your house, what connection do you have with whatever spiritual thing there is? It's an intentional decision. I, Tommy, decide to go there. It is more than just for, for a, a temporary solution. My business is not working. I know of someone that can work it. Then you go, and it's not biblical, but you are so desperate for this deliverance. So now you go to the tables of demons. Paul said in the book of Corinthians, he says, if you know that the that you are partaking from a meal that has been sacrificed to ancestors or devils. You partake of their table. If I know Brian had a, a verki, mosebetzing. And in my greed I go and partake knowing what he sacrificed to. I am legally bound spiritually by whatever agreement his family made with those things. Legally. And oftentimes we wonder where's the gap. Go and check where you always partake from. When you sit, that's why the Bible says, don't sit at the table of the scornful, the fools. Everywhere where there's a connection to the spiritual world, there's a table. There's an altar. You're not just grooving. Those devils come for what is theirs legally. 
So when we tell you these things, it's not because, yeah, you've, you've done grooving. Now it's our, no, it's much deeper than that. If it's as superficial as that, your decisions will mean nothing for me. I can keep quiet. But as a shepherd, I need to tell you, you are more than just partaking in something. You are binding yourself legally to whatever demonic power there is. We set up altars wherever and it just sounds so nice. Don't go anywhere. Sometimes we go to places and your spirit tells you, don't go. Don't go. Not because your spirit don't want you to have fun, like we say. There's a table. And there was a sacrifice. And whenever there's a sacrifice, there's blood. What, do, what does blood do in the spirit? It speaks. This why some, some, some verkis people need the blood to flow. With, with, with our, we're a traditional wedding, you guys know, right? But we didn't slaughter, so relax. It was just a family, the families came together and they had, and it was, everything was above board. So one uncle came to me and said, your marriage won't work unless the blood flows. In ignorance, I would have been scared. So now it's the whole family on this side, and the only resistance we have is you and your future wife. Right. And we made a decision, whether you come to our wedding or not, we will not sacrifice to anyone. Because now, Pastor Brian, the loudest voice in your marriage would be the voices. That the blood, it's more than blood flowing into the ground. God said to Cain, your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Even if you cover the blood, in the spirit, ground or sand cannot cover the voice of the spirit. So we said no, and they were angry. I'm like, I'm going to be married to you. You're going to be married to me. If, it's, if we sound like Tupac, just me against the world, baby. <laughs> just me and my girlfriend. You like any songs? No, you like dumb. You like any songs? You seen it, Niggas. You need oh Lord, you are near, boy. On signal. Dagge Tupac. By the first song, you cannot focus. Because you lift up your hands, but in the spirit, just me and my girlfriend. All I need in this life of sin. <laughs> anyway, Vavasek. So I said to her, since we know, and there's a thing about knowledge, there's a thing about studying the word of God. Since we know what those things do, firstly, that voice, which does not want the blessings of God to come to your marriage, will constantly curse you. Secondly, this won't be our marriage. It will be our family's marriage. Because we're so worried about the wedding. That's a one-day, two-day thing. Marriage is the thing. So now because we messed up in one day, for years we're carrying a marriage that is filled with demons. Not because you're a witch or sangoma, because you did stuff that invited those things illegally. So that is what an altar is. An altar is a place where you not only do sacrifices, you are legally, intentionally, I need to say intentionally, connecting to. Because now the devils can go to God. Because they sometimes come before God. Satan, read the book of Job. The book of Job, the, the Bible says, and the sons of God, it is old English for the angels came to God to give an account because there is spiritual operations. Jacob saw the ladder extending and he saw angelic activity, right? That is spiritually. So those angels need to come back and say, Father, I went and we saw Colin and we brought him back. So the Bible says, and the devil was amongst the sons of God. He doesn't have 
Hy koop die gesagie man. The devil is arrogant brother given. He goes to God and he says, ja, dit pas, dit wiekie, wat jy so my brek, kom ek vir jy so, kom ek sê van wiekie, let me tell you about wiekie, that's what he does. So now these devil, devils come before God, and they're like, afternoon, um, Yahweh, Adonai, sarcastic, king of kings, you see your servant, Tommy Shuta, and his wife, I just want to show you evidence that the marriage is ours. If you, the Bible says, if you don't know in the book of Corinthians, if you don't know that it was done, it's okay because it's, you're ignorant. But if you know, if I know, Pastor Brian told me, I can do for the clauses. I say me, and I can say it has because many times we go and sit at this table because of our lust, lust of the flesh. I cannot walk from that, now claiming ignorance, after I've satisfied the flesh. We must be strong enough in this hour to go to your friend and say, Me bro, I don't believe in that. Alles van die beste. If you lose a friend, he was never a friend. You don't have to judge him. You just say, I cannot partake. As your explanation, I say from Sidi, so come and explain what I know doing. Let me explain to you the veracity of, the, of your actions. Okay, let me get to the word of God. Genesis 4 verse 4. As die verloste zees toe gaan, o Heere, help me, dat ek kan saam gaan. As die verloos. That's not a funeral song, eh? Alpha and Omega is not a funeral song, eh? Let's go. And Abel also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect to Abel and his offering. So this speaks of there was an altar already. Maybe a physical one. An altar where they did sacrifices. And the Bible don't tell us, but there was no way where Cain and Abel would know how to sacrifice or build an altar unless their father did. So Adam also knew how to bring sacrifices unto God. So we can see altars is not a new thing. Altars are already, it was there before even Abram was. Because they did not sacrifice this thing, Pastor Vicky, on the ground. There must have been a high place that they erected for the worship and the sacrifice of God. Amen? Because why am I saying this? Because sometimes we think altars are just new age jargon. No, it has come from way back. But now on this altar, when they sacrifice unto God, it must be according to this God that you say that you want to connect with. That's why God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not the one of Cain. Because any altar we raise for God is according to God's standard and not our standards. Because the easiest thing would be to do it my way. Then it becomes your altar. And your altar has no say unless there's a power behind it. So they made an altar, an altar of sacrifice. And altars are not something that we in the New Testament or when Abram came, it was way before then. They knew what to do with an altar because there's an altar that is an altar. They know what it means spiritually. I just want us to do that and understand that it is not some new age thing. It is a generational thing that has come for ages gift. Amen. So these were the sons and they made altars. And one on his altars sacrificed according to his satisfaction and the other one according to what God wanted. Because when you go and study and we'll go deeper, I don't want to go there. But the sacrifice that was accepted by Abel is because it contained life. 
There's no way that you can say, I'm doing a sacrifice, and it does not cost you anything. Every sacrifice, you must feel it. Your life must literally be in that sacrifice. Be he not conformed to the, to the what? Patterns of this world, but to what? Being transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, right? And you are, must be what? A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Meaning there must be an altar to all of this. But we'll go into it as the weeks go on. So altars are not new. It is generational and Satan knows it. All these things know it because there is even an image of an altar in the heaven where God sits. But I will show you as we go on. Altars are intentional means to connect with spiritual entities. I've said this before. It is an intentional. There's no one that will sacrifice to God and say, I didn't know what I was doing. So whatever you give yourself to is an intentional decision. And with that intentional decision comes something that connects you. It's a covenant. A covenant is a legal agreement that can only be override by something stronger than itself. That's why the blood of Jesus, we use it when we want to come and do deliverance where someone is caught up in entanglements that came either by their own way or the generations that came before them. Amen. That's why some of us are battling altars now that our forefathers made that we didn't even know it. Whenever we had family gatherings and stuff, when those things happened, it wasn't always the case. But on those times where we know there was a verke, we didn't know that spiritually there was an altar built. Because we were playing and stuff. And the altar is not going to say, no, 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 wait, you, you were playing, you were six-year-old, you were excited, you didn't know what was happening. No, we skip you. When the altar is made on your behalf, by an authority over you, it can speak against you whether you know it or not. There's children that are born under the power of demonic altars. It seems unfair, but that's how it works, Pastor Brian. If you do stuff, there's your generations following you. And we'll watch our children suffer and not understand what is happening. There's an altar speaking actively against them and their generations. It is like starting a 100-meter race, but you're starting at the 200-meter mark. And you try to, you will never win. Why? Not because you are slow, but the odds are against you even before you start. We cannot serve at the altar and the tables of devils and expect God to bless our businesses and families, our marriages. Guys, these things speak actively. They speak actively against us. Now gift. Is it on? I rebuke that altar of sleep in Jesus' name. Genesis 8, 20. Let me, we'll be finishing off with this. I just want us to lay because when we go in, it's going to go deeper. I pray that you pray. Stay prayerful. This whole in fact, every day you should be prayerful. But the things that we're opening up now, there's some stuff that the enemy don't want us to see this. Amen? Genesis 8 verse 20. So we know the story of Noah. God came to him and said, you know what? Make an ark for you and your family since he was the only righteous man. Build an ark. No, 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 build an ark so that you can be, and God explained, and he did the ark, and we know the story, that God carried them 40 days and 40 nights, and this was when they came out. Check what his first action was unto God. What is an altar? It's a means to connect with a spiritual entity. This is his first action. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord. Did someone tell him to build an altar? No, it was his first response, because he's a worshiper and he knows God. Right? Right? Build an altar to God and took every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. What did he do? He sacrificed on the altar. What does it mean? It's a sign of worship. 
It's a sign of thanksgiving. It's a sign of, Father, all that you've blessed me with, I give unto you. That's why even the tithe, it's a sign of worship. It's not a commandment. If you have, don't have a relationship with God, it is strong. Then everything, every time someone tells you to, to, to do offerings or pay in tithe, you will see it as someone that, no, it is when you're a worshiper, there's some stuff that just come forward, what, automatically. It was an automatic response to God's goodness. Father, of all the people, you saved me and my family. I'm building an altar. I'm intentionally creating something that will connect me to you eternally for generations. Does it make sense? So he knew that this goodness of God must fall even on my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. And I will show them how to do it. So even the ones that are not here at the physical altar, when they grow up, they've seen their fathers do it. And they will continue to do it. And this altar will speak down our line for generations. He built an altar. He made a conscious decision. That I said even, that even if all the pastors in the world, hear me well, lay hands on a drug addict, unless he wants to be delivered. Or that lady. And all the pastors in the world can lay on him and throw all the oil. Unless he or she intentionally decides walk away from that altar of it that's why i say it's more than just i'm partaking partaking in stuff unless he decides she decides i'm done with drugs there's no rehab that can save you and i'm saying this in respect because we all know someone or they had someone that was addicted to these things i was in youth pastor brian i was there and even even leading the youth at some point and active but never completely giving myself to god and that's why that evening that I always speak of, when I went back and I fell, I realized the Holy Spirit said, unless you are really willing to tie or, or to break all ties with your former self, these things will always come back. And you may think that I'm delivered, and after six months, they come. The, the yellow is all right. After six years, it will come. Why? It's there. It's laying dormant. It's waiting. Opportunity. Do your stuff. It's fine. Go on. I know where I'll get you. But then he said, I'm going to make an intentional decision. Check this. Unto the Lord and took every clean beast, every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Verse 21. Check this. What did he do? Build an altar, made a decision. Verse 21 says, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, not Noah's heart, in God's heart, I will not curse the ground anymore for man's sake. The ground was cursed because Adam in the Garden of Eden with his disobedience built an altar that was speak, spoke of disobedience and God cursed the ground. Why? Because of disobedience. So there was something speaking against. That's why God said, in the sweat of your brow, you will what used to come naturally. When you go and you submit to altars that is not of God, you are submitting yourself to a curse that is opposing you to prosper. You'll have to work 10 times to get the things that comes easily when you are standing righteously before God. And when, an, uh, check what this, he did not say, I, I come against this curse, I reverse it. He just built an altar, a righteous altar. And it catch, caught the heart of God. And God said, come here quickly. Let's just say this is an altar, just build it there. Just put the altar here in front. Here, man, the altar, me, bro. He's making long for altar. Check this. He came out of the ark. That represents the ark. That represents your family. That represents your business. 
He came and he did not, when he did the altar, check this, he did not say, Father, remove this curse. God knew when he stepped out of the ark, he's stepping into a curse earth because of what Adam did. So when, check this, when he made the sacrifice, he did not ask God anything but to say thank you and I worship you as my deliverer. Once you made a righteous altar and stand where God wants you to as a worshiper, an intentional decision to live holy, God said, something's happening. Wait. He saw the altar. The sweet smell represents that whatever you're doing unto God is accepted. Right? Remember, he came out of the ark, brother given. Came out of the ark, and there was still water and stuff. I don't think there were the herbs that they used for the fire, Pastor Brian, because there were certain things that he needed to put on. I don't think he had access to it because he just came out of the ark. So what gave spiritually the sweet smell was a righteous heart and a righteous altar. And because he made a conscious decision to serve it unto the to Yahweh, he caught the attention of Yahweh. And God said, something's happening. And he says, wow, I, Yahweh, will remove the curse. Did he ask for the curse to be removed? There's no record of it. Did he ask for God to, to take away the curse? There was no record. Did he ask to be blessed? No, he just came and said, Father, I bless you. Because now sometimes our altars are out of place. And we're asking for things that comes as an automatic connection to right standing with God. You cannot live unrighteously and ask God for blessing. The blessing is not the thing. The blesser, God, is the thing. The blessing is the consequence of you knowing and acknowledging Him as the one who carried you in the ark. When the whole world was going through hell, God said, I will keep you in my enclave. When COVID came, I will keep you. And when God sees the altar, we have unrighteous altars and we say, you're a blessed one, Zikernas, family altar, Father, bless this. And God is like, you got it wrong. Set up the altar, I will come and bless and God said, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, I will not destroy every living thing. This altar spoke for generations. God said, I will not destroy other even if they're unworthy. Because of this thing, there's people that will be saved in their families. I will keep my hand over your family that are unsaved because your altar legend is right. I will bless people around you because your altar is right. The altar unlocks things, brother, given that otherwise couldn't out. We want to be religious and we look at stinky altar. But now check the other side of this. If this altar is one of Msebeti or unrighteous, out of hell, check this, check this, out of hell, demons also smell something. This is a sweet smell of wickedness. Then he looks at you and looks down the line and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chase this family. Why? This is a legal, it's a legal contract before God. Or in the spirit rather. In the same way that it attracts the attention of God. This, this is why I came to this verse. It attracts spirit. It is like blood in the water where sharks are. That's what an altar is in the spirit. And it just depends on who the altar is dedicated to. When we say living sacrifice, it's not singing on a Sunday in church. Thank you, sir. It's not singing at church on a Sunday. It's every single day of your life. What are you putting on the altar? 
a sweet smell. And the demons, they look and they say, this is where we're coming in. And it seems like there's a solution for a few periods of times. And afterwards, if you thought things were bad before then, after this has been accepted, and God looks at us with sadness, and he knows because you made an intentional decision, Pastor Brian, or your forefathers, he cannot come and kick it over unless you call out and say, Father, save me. And we say, accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is not joining a church. It is not joining a church. Ishmael, it is not joining. It is, Father, deliver me from the, the tables of devils that speak against me. How are people that are not qualified getting promoted more than me? And I'm not speaking BEE or EE, because if something is for you, there is no policy in any company that can stop you from being promoted. Daniel said, I will not defile myself. You can kill me, you can do whatever. My altar shall burn only holiness. When they said bow to this God, and I'm finishing off, bow to this God, it was more than just, it was like, to, at which altar will you choose to serve? And the whole nation went to where it was nice, where their lives won't be threatened, and the others said, throw us, in, throw us in the fire. If you want to throw us in the fire, and because they chose the altar of righteousness, God came in the fire with them. That's why the servants came to Nebuchadnezzar and said, how many did we throw in there? Three. No, there's four. And one of them looks like the, the son of God. The altar is right. No matter how many demons or witches come to your house at night, you will sleep and you will, you will coil. I don't know how to put it in because the English don't sound as you will lay there and snow and that is. And you don't even know what's happening in the spirit. And the demons and the witches and the Satanist you know, will go back to their master who send them out to your family. And because you did not tour back at the same unrighteous altar, but because you chose to trust God, God stepped in. And when they want to come to your house, Jesus is like, Funan, but lying. The angels are standing around you, and you don't even know it because the altar is speaking for you. It is like living fun. You know you're going to groove, and then you say, Father, protect us as we're on our way to decide. The devil is a liar because he loves you, he will protect you. But there's a time when you step into things where God is like, You, you chose to go to darkness. Don't play with the grace of God. Don't play with these things. There's an altar that's either speaking for you or against you. There's no one that's in any time of, of, of their lives that's in a gray area. No one. There's either a table speaking against you or for you. And the sad thing is, there's many of us that are fighting altars that we did not even raise. There's no devil that will have on you, Jared, and say, oh no, Jared was small when, when, when Jenny did it. Oh, and they put stuff around him and stuff. No. The devil, devil will say, you Jenny's child, I can smell the blood. It's the same blood that I smelled 30 years ago. You're mine, boy. So all this is much deeper. It's much, much deeper. So when we go in the series, study the word of God. Let me just read this. These are notes that I made. Firstly, can we just quiet the kids? Altars are places of legally recognized places of consecration, worship, spiritual interaction, and exchanges. There are stuff that happens at tables that have been exchanged. And that's why we, when we sing songs like this, it's more, no more a song of just jabulaying. I'm going to the enemy's camp, and I, I too, 
Heppen dit uit die Altus heeft de power to block or to bless. Altus are places born out of personal revelation of who God is. Next week we will touch with this. Altus attract the attention of the spiritual realm. Not just God. Spiritual realm. Altus attract the attention of the spiritual realm. Altus are generational. Altus are what? What does generation mean? There are some that are coming behind you. They have no say over what you do on their behalf. Speak well. Serve well. Be intentional with God. Love holy. We're done. That's all. I hope we learned something this morning. May God bless you.